It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Brian Austin here in our, uh, what's the word for it? Like fantastic, luxurious studio? That's pretty nice. I got a nice view of my car and some people out picking up leaves, it looks like. All right, so we're in the studio and we're going to go to the phones again. Busy time of year, basketball, football. We're going to start with hoops because that tips off here in about five hours by the time you guys hear this out in Salt Lake City, Utah. We are going to talk to Alex Markham from UteNation.com. Covers Utah for the Rivals.com network. Alex, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Not too bad. We're, uh, you know, first first game, really, first big game. I mean, Missouri opened with Iowa State, and we thought that might be a big game, but Iowa State's not any good this year. So I think this is the first big game for both teams. I mean, Utah has played two blood donors so far, and have you really learned <laughs> anything that, that you didn't know two weeks ago about this team? No, you know what? I mean, there's still a lot to be learned. Uh, that, that just kind of comes with the territory when it's, you know, two blood donors like, like you said there so really this is going to be the first big test tonight um utah's got some guys that are really intriguing you just don't know what they're going to be able to do at this level of competition they got another guy that um he he's he always performs well against the lower level teams but couldn't deliver last year against the big time guys and so i mean this is this is the start man this is the test yeah um and how new i mean Utah has a bunch of new faces. Can you just kind of run down what the changes in Larry Kostoviak's team from last year to this year are? Yeah, well, I mean, the the biggest ones, you know, in in years past, Utah's really had a big turnover. This year, it haven't it ha- it wasn't as bad. Um, the one big defection was they lost Devin Daniels. Um, he was he was their star freshman last year, and uh, just some disciplinary issues, kind of really just wasn't wasn't seeing eye to eye with the coaches so they they showed him the door but uh, from there they brought in Justin Bibbins a uh, fifth year senior transfer from uh, Long Beach he's a man in the point for him um, he's doing a fantastic job um, Utah's really kind of missed a true point guard these last couple years um, since since the long graduated and and he's really delivered he's averaging 5.5 assists a game right now um so again low competition but he's doing everything needed to get them into the offense get them going get everybody set up you know other than that um you know they they've got donnie tillman he's uh he's from out in michigan um but um he he played his last year of high school ball out in out in las vegas uh, the kid's going to be a stud. Um, hasn't had a ton of minutes yet, but in the minutes that he's had, he's he's produced. A um, couple other guys for you to really kind of pay attention to. Um, new wise is this kid, Chris Seeley. He's high energy. Um, I've had people close to the program kind of compare him to a younger version of Kyle Kuzma, who's doing well with the Lakers now. Um, but a more athletic version. So really kind of needs to come with the shot, but um, everything else to his game. I mean, he's all over the floor causing havoc on the defensive end. He's, you know, being the garbage man on, on the offensive end, putting in the, in the loose buckets and, and flying out of the gym. Um, 
real interesting guy, you know, when it comes to, you know, you guys talk about the roster turnover. Uh, this guy was on the team last year, um, but never really it, – it, it hadn't really seemed to click for him the last couple of years um, until this offseason. Um, Gabe Beeler, um, that's, that's a guy that if Utah scores a lot of points – it's going to be with him filling up the stat sheet. Um, he, he put in a career high in the last game. I want to say it was about 20 points, but the kid's ready to explode, and he's shooting over 50% from three as well. Just what kind of uh, atmosphere can can the Mizzou team expect to encounter there? I know uh, pretty good falling for Utah basketball. They've had some really good teams the last several years. Uh, what kind of Is this a highly anticipated game? I know – Michael Porter Jr. won't be there playing as it's been well publicized, but is there still some excitement around this game? There's still some excitement, man. Uh, you know, it, does, it doesn't matter the players that are, that are going to be coming in and facing off against Utah. When it's a big-name team, the crowd shows up. Uh, you know, and, and really, I mean, it, it's, it's a raucous crowd, man. It, it was that way when Majerus was there. Uh, you know, they went through a few rough years, kind of died down a little bit. Kraskoviak's really brought a lot of life back into, uh, into the arena. Uh, so, you know, when, uh, when there's something to play for, that crowd gets nuts. You know, when uh, when it's a, when Utah's a so-so team, I mean, they're they're still in it. It's uh, it's a fun atmosphere, and it, it can get it can get loud. It can it can throw the teams off. Hey, we've kind of had this discussion around here because I, I know that Missouri was kind of uh, delaying as long as they could before confirming that Michael Porter Jr. wasn't playing. Like from the Utah side, do you think does that really impact how they get ready for this game, whether he's playing or not? I mean. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, Utah doesn't really have any film to go off of with him, you know. Mm-hmm. So they they can only they can only go off of the film that they have. Um, you know, from there, I mean, Kraskoviak is always it's it's team first with Kraskoviak. You know, that's just how he that's how he was from an NBA approach from back in the day. That's how he's always been at Utah. It's it's a team game. It's them working as a unit. So when when it comes to that when it comes to that that's offensively and defensively, so it, it shouldn't it shouldn't change too much. They'll just tell you you know if if they do what they're supposed to do working together as a team um, on the defensive end, then the results are going to follow. I I saw in the look like the preseason media polls for the Pac-12 that uh, Utah was picked to finish about seven. Is is that a pretty fair spot? Do you think is that kind of team that everyone's expecting? to to have this year yeah you know the pac 12 it's it's kind of it's a bit of a down year and so seven to start off this season i would say is is definitely fair um you know because still there's there's a lot of questions i mean utah loses kuzma Mm -hmm. uh, to the lakers and uh he he had one more year left he would have been big time for him this year uh you know so that that hurt him so what they're really kind of trying to find is find out is who that one consistent go-to scoring punch is going to be. You know, they've got some guys that look to potentially fill, you know, fit that part. Cedric Bearfield, um, Gabe Beeler, like I mentioned, Um, David Collette, if he can stay out of foul trouble, that's, that's his big thing um, in his time at Utah. But if they can find that one guy that can do that, I see that putting them, closer in contention to the four to five range, which is going to put them, 
you know, right on right on the bubble of, of an NCAA tournament uh, berth. If if they can't find that guy, it's going to be seven eight, or or a few spots knocked down, man. So talking with Alex Markham about Utah Mizzou hoops tonight, and Alex, uh, you mentioned Cedric Bearfield. He didn't play the last game because he's sick. I know they've had kind of a stomach bug going through their team. How's the how's the health? Relative, it's relatively good. Uh, Jace Johnson, he's he's been out with a lower leg injury, uh, and so that's uh, obviously Colette's backup. Uh, they really need him to get get back and get healthy uh, from a depth standpoint, especially because, as I mentioned, Colette has a tendency to be a little over aggressive and, and foul. Uh, but other than that, Bearfield stomach bug. He should just he should be just fine tonight. Uh, one of the other big ones that had gone down recently. They've, I mean, they've had their they've had their bumps and bruises. Had guys missing um, time with pra- within practice in the last month. But the one big one that has actually been a relief to everybody that he's back and doing well is Gabe Biller ended up breaking his foot um, in the off season just when everybody was starting to get the sense that he could be the breakout guy. Um, he seems to be back to full health. But you just don't know if some if something could rear its ugly head with that, um, because he he came back a lot earlier than expected. Initially, it was told to me that you know he he could be back a little early into the season that he'd be full strength come conference play. He's back and he's looking good. So, um, yeah, just re- ca- relatively decent. I got you. Just kind of. What do you see? How how do you see this game playing out? What what's kind of your expectations on on how this is gonna go out between Mizzou and, and Utah? Yeah, you know it's it's one of those. I I wish I wish I had a few more games on my belt to be able to give you guys a, yeah. a definitive so answer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But uh, you know, look for I. What I would say is look for the Utes to really get Bearfield and, and get um, Beeler involved early, get them hot, get them filling their shot. Um, you know, if uh, if that can happen with uh, with Bibbins leading the charge, then uh, I I think the Utes stand a good shot at um, coming away with with a victory margin somewhere between the five five to eight range. I I really don't see it being a blowout one side or the other. Um, you know, if uh, if Colette gets into early foul trouble, that's where Mizzou can really do some damage um, because then Utah is going to have to play the small ball, and they mm-hmm. just don't have enough experience right now, um, you know, against an SEC caliber team to to really kind of counter that. All right, so, so go ahead. Sorry, no, no. So I was just I was just saying it's so it's it's a tough one to predict right now. Um, I do feel good about Utah being at home, though. And so you mentioned foul trouble with Colette. Um, Missouri has a freshman center named Jeremiah Tillman, who a, their first exhibition, players were allotted seven fouls, and he fouled out in 13 minutes. And then the last time out, he fouled out with five fouls in 10 minutes. So, um, Oh, wow. I have a feeling that the He whistles, did hang around in the first game for a while. Yeah, he did play in the first game, like 23 minutes or something, and did not foul out. But uh, I have a feeling the whistles and the way this one is called is, is going to be a big factor. And, I mean, Utah starts two 6'10 guys. Even without Michael Porter, Missouri has, you know, Tillman is 6'10". Jonte Porter is 6'11". Reed Nickel will play a few minutes. He's 6'10". I, I mean, I think the team that has the edge in the paint has the edge in this game. 
Yeah, you know, and with with Utah's two six two six ten guys, Tyler Rossin, I mean, he's more of an outside guy. Okay. So that's uh, not something for you guys to follow on that. He's actually the guy that I was alluding to that when it comes to the lower level competition, the guy goes off. I want to say he's averaging around 13 points a game right now. Um, always plays well against the lower level competition. He's shooting mid 40s from three. But when it hit Pac-12 play, when it hit some of the bigger competition they were playing last year, he disappeared a little bit. Um that being said, the progress that he's made, I know that the program's really high on his progress from the off season. I'm still that type. I want to, I want to see it to believe it. He's got to prove it to me. He's got to, he's got to show me that he can bang down low when, uh, when it's needed, because, you know, until, until the youths have Johnson back at full health, I mean, they, they need that size down there. Well, Alex, appreciate the time, man. And if you can do me a favor and just take over my Twitter feed starting here in about three hours when Missouri fans are all in a panic that they don't know how to watch the Pac-12 network, I, that would be much appreciated. <laughs> hey, you fans are still trying to figure that out. Man. That's, that's the one thing since since, we, since we've since uh, we had the guys in the conference, man. I mean, it's it's been a blessing. It's It's been awesome to see the growth, but – you know that uh, that prize network that they were talking about is just it's just not happening. It's it's, it's not being seen. I, I had to upgrade my package out here yeah. a week ago, so nice. not, definitely not fun. Nice. All right, Alex. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, and uh, enjoy All the right. game tonight. Thanks, Alex. Well, you guys have a good one, man. Take All care. Right. Thank you. Bye, Alex Markham, UteNation.com. Um, look, this is. Like I don't want to say it's necessarily a measuring stick for Missouri, but this is the this is one where we go. Hey, we're gonna find out a little about this. Yeah, team. it's definitely a good test, a road game, and what I thought it was a pretty good environment. Yeah. Um, I I have a son that goes to school out here that I, never so goes heard, yeah. that never goes to games. So I, it, but it does sound like the other students tend to go to games <laughs> occasionally. Um, and he. And I mean, Salt Lake City is a fairly good-sized town, right. so you get to draw all those people that don't have to drive far at all. Um, and and they've been entertaining basketball the last few years, so I would have I was expecting a pretty good environment. It'll be I mean, it's going to be a, a test. It's like you said, a measuring stick for them to see where they're at. I mean, if they can pass a test like this without Michael Porter Jr., you have to feel pretty good about what could yeah. unfold once if he comes back. There are two people I'm going to look for in the stands tonight based on their schedules. Number one, I want to see if Kendrick Austin is in the stands. <laughs> and number two, I don't know who the Jazz play, but I want to see if Quinn Snyder is in the oh, stands. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll go together. That, I you think? I don't know if Kendrick runs in that That'd type of crowd, awesome. but I can uh... <laughs> Shoot him a text. Tell him to pick Q up and go over to the game. <laughs> Quinn didn't do a lot of his own driving in, in his Columbia days. I don't know. if Maybe he'll pick Kendrick up. I yeah, don't know. We'll see. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so before we move on to football, just look, the Porter thing, like, if you want to know what we think about it, go on our message boards. We've talked all about it. Like, it's not time to panic yet. I understand a little bit of worry. There'll be a little more worry if he doesn't travel to Orlando next week. Uh, we'll see. But here's here's kind of what I want to know. Is this an NCAA tournament team? Like, he's going to play. Right. But let's just say, without him on the roster, pretend he's not there. Is this an NCAA tournament team? Seems like it's close. Mm -hmm. I mean, the difference, adding Tillman and... Jonte Porter, I mean, those two skilled big men makes a huge difference. Jordan Barnett looks quite a bit more comfortable this season than he did last. Kevin Furrier's Ke filling his role. Yeah, Cassius Robertson's 
so far been able to run the point and add a little bit of scoring touch that Terrence Phillips didn't always bring at that position. Um, it it looks like, it, to me, just off these first two games, it looks like it. How good are those two teams? It doesn't seem like they're very good. Iowa State, as we know, got worked by Milwaukee at home. Wagner was picked to finish in the top three in the NEC, I think it is, but that's still the NEC. So. Right. We'll see. It's this is like this is the test, like you said. Okay. This this is where you're going to be able to find out. Okay, is this without Porter Jr. Do do they have a chance? And I think right now, I think they do. I think this is a bubble team or a tournament team as it stands right now. But like like a nine seed, something right, like that. Right. Not a team that you envision being a real danger to to do a lot in the tournament. But adding Michael Porter to a team that you <laughs> think is a nine seed. Like, that's when we start to talk about fun things. Right, yeah. That's when you jump up to, like, a four seed or yeah. five seed, three seed, somewhere in that range, I would think. Just, I mean, he's that good of a player if you get him back healthy, playing at 100%. Yeah, so quick prediction for tonight. I, I gave mine on the side. I said 69-65 Missouri. I I don't know what it's based on. I mean, mm. I'm not sure how these guys are going to handle the road atmosphere. And, you know, I, I'm also not sure – I think at some point they're going to be behind in this game. Right. That hasn't happened yet this season. So what happens if Utah is fired up and jumps out 12-3? How right. does Missouri handle that? We don't know that about this team. Yeah, that, that's true. They've been up comfortably through most of – I mean, they were the whole Wagner pretty, game and pretty, pretty much, much the whole the Iowa State game. game. It yeah, got I mean, within eight or nine they, at one point in the second half, I think, maybe. Yeah, they jumped out 22-8, and then Iowa State wasn't back within 10 for like 20 minutes. Right. So that'll that'll be a, bit, a thing to watch for. I, I – I think I'm going to go with Missouri, too, 75 to, like, 68, something like that. Mid-70s game, high 60s game, something. Not a ton of points, but not not a complete defensive slugfest, either. All right, so your last warning, the game is on the Pac-12 network. If you don't know that and haven't found it by now, God just, help you. We just go to a bar. Yeah, we can't do anything about it. You, you're probably going to have to turn on Mike Kelly and Chris Trevino if you haven't figured <laughs> yeah, it out God by forbid now. you have to use the radio. <laughs> <laughs> right. But there is a football game this weekend, and that is on the SEC network, and I'm going to trust in year five that you have all managed to figure out where <laughs> that's at. So that football game is 630 on Saturday night in Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe I'm supposed to call it Nashville. I don't know how that works, but uh, – Chris Lee from VandySports.com joins us. Chris, how you doing, man? Gabe, I'm already angry at you. What? I, I thought I thought we were talking about the basketball game in February. Oh, uh, we got plenty of time for that, man. <laughs> hey, M- Missouri fans care about football again. That's what I hear. And basketball, too, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more of a soap opera than actual basketball right now, but – they will eventually care about basketball. So, uh, well, so proper self-subscriptions too. So, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, a month ago, we're looking at Vandy started three and zero, and they beat K State, and everything's happy and all that, and Missouri's awful, and they're going to fire their coach, and and now we're here, man. What the hell happened? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I don't think Derek Mason even knows. I, <laughs> my theory, and I think the theory that is kind of prevailing among the fans. Cause, I mean, look, they looked really good the first three weeks. I know that MTSU was in there, but middle with with their quarterback healthy is not a bad team, as you guys know, for, for that level of football. And Kansas State, we thought, was going to be a top-20 team. And they're number one in total defense, number one in scoring defense. And holy smokes, we haven't seen that team since Alabama flattened it back in September. I think that 
Alabama just completely sapped all their confidence, and I'm not sure they ever got much of it back. I I mean, this is uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. This is Derek Mason's fourth season. Yeah, that I mean, is correct. Yeah, and I mean, is what's the level of frustration there with Vanderbilt fans at at him? I mean, I know that the program hasn't. James Franklin did some things there. It hasn't always been the highest level program, but I mean. Are they starting to? Is the shine starting to wear off? They expected this to be a little bit better season. I'm expecting. Well, Vanderbilt, you get the benefit of the doubt on everything. And look, mm-hmm. I, I did. I started to do kind of the research of where does he stand historically. And <laughs> if you want a history lesson, their decline because really the first half of the 20th century, they were one of the foremost football powerhouses around. And I've always kind of wondered, like, what, what happened. And basically starting in about 1960, the administration did not really commit to football. And by the way, this is going somewhere, I promise you. Okay. <laughs> and the two-platoon system really, from that point on, and the scholarship changes, Vanderbilt didn't keep pace, and really he's been playing catch-up ever since. And to, to be fired at Vanderbilt, you basically have to drop to a level Generally speaking, where you're winning one out of every seven or eight SEC games, that's about where Derek is approaching. That he's going to get another year, I think, regardless, mm-hmm. because they signed him to an extension in the last year. I mean, two the way that you stack your record together a lot of times means a lot. As, as Missouri fans may be finding out this winning streak, because if it went in reverse, I have a feeling you have a coach on the hot seat and mm-hmm. and all those things, but. He beat Tennessee and Ole Miss at the end of last year, and the Ole Miss game came the week after they went to College Station and beat Texas A&M with Shea Patterson. And so we kind of looked at it and said, hey, they bring back most of their team. He seemed like he's starting to figure it out with some of his players maybe, some of his recruits. There was a 3-0 and start. But I think once they signed him to that new deal last year, Vanderbilt is a school that has excruciating patience with coaches, and I think they're going to have it with him, but I don't know that I'd want to have, you know, another 1-7, year next year in the SEC. All right, so specific to this team, Chris, like everybody says Ralph Webb's good. I've seen him play. He's really good. Everybody says Kyle Shermer's really good. Is he really good? Yeah, he's the best player on the team, guys. Okay. He, he really is good. Now – the numbers aren't great. I think they're a little too conservative at times. Ralph Webb has, has been hurt much of the year. And, I mean, I promise you, the three of us could could have run block better than they have run block most of the year. <laughs> I don't know, it's, man. It's been horrible. I don't know, Gabe. I, o- only I if you're really good, you Chris. <laughs> well, no, Kyle is good. He is, he's got a pretty decent receiving core by Vanderbilt standards, but he puts the ball on the money most of his throws. He is, of course, he's got NFL bloodlines. Everybody knows the Shermer family. He was a four-star recruit out of high school. So this is a kid who's got some talent. He's got it between the ears. He's got a lot of experience now. He had a four-interception game last week. One of those was on the last snap of the game on a meaningless play. Another one, his receiver tipped to a DB. But he's been really good with the football um, I think he's going to end up on an NFL roster one day. I don't know if he's an NFL starting quarterback, but I think he is good enough. I don't think he'll probably come out this year. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying he's like a first or second round pick or anything like that, but I think he's 
eventually going to be good enough to get drafted and, and maybe to stick somewhere. Derek Mason's a defensive coach, and last year I, I know they had uh, the linebacker. I'm, I'm forgetting Jack his Cunningham. yeah, Cunningham was was outstanding. This year it seems like you said the defense started off really well and it's gone downhill. I, I mean, what you, nobody really knows what's going on. But what have you seen from what? What are the the areas that uh, teams have been able to take advantage of, of take advantage of them with? Well. Right now, people are opening holes against their front seven that the three of us could lock arms and, and skip through. Chris, <laughs> I want to play, man. It sounds like the three of us could win this weekend. <laughs> I know. I, I keep I keep suiting you guys up involuntarily, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> but, I they their their front line. It was what I was concerned about all spring and all year. And I said, look, guys, the coaching staff is confident in this bunch. They know more than I know. Maybe I'm missing something, but I saw them in spring. I wasn't impressed. They've got a pretty good defensive tackle, Nephi Leallo. I mean, he's okay at least, but they just don't have much help. They're undersized. Their ends get blown off the ball. Their, their linebackers seem to be constantly out of position. They have given up, and they've not been good against the pass lately. They were pretty good first part of the year, but I mean, I'm, I'm almost surprised anybody tries to throw it on them at times because they're capable of generating pass rush in spots, even though that's been very spotty in SEC play. But teams are able to run against them so well. And just kind of a spoiler alert, because I'm assuming you're going to ask me for a pick. Well, if the line on the game this morning was nine and a half, I would be really surprised if Vanderbilt's able to cover because after what Missouri did to Tennessee, I think we have an idea of, of what could be coming at least some of the time. And they have shown zero ability to stop any of that. Yeah, this is a team now that's run for 1,008 yards in its last four games. The line's playing really well. Ish Witter's playing the best football of his career. Larry Roundtree's a heck of a freshman. Um, like I have said multiple times this week, last Saturday I saw in person the worst SEC run defense I have ever seen. Like Tennessee was awful in every facet of run defense. Vanderbilt's got to be better than they are. Gabe, they may be capable of one-upping that week. Wow. We'll wait and see this week. It's, it is that bad. Wow. Okay, so, like, I mean, you already answered the question, basically, but I I look at teams playing Missouri the way they're playing right now. Like, you've got to score 35 points to have a chance to beat Missouri. You're not holding Missouri to 20 the way they're playing right now. So, is Vanderbilt capable of getting into a shootout and, and putting up those kind of numbers? You know, I think if they loosen it up and throw the ball 50 times, they might. Because, again, I think they've got a good quarterback and decent receivers. I just don't know that that's in their DNA. They have tried so many runs between the tackles this year, even though it's getting somewhere under three yards of carry. The jet sweep is the best play in their playbook. And they, they, get, they average like 16 yards on those plays. They've run about a dozen. When they run off tackle, they run okay. When they run between the tackles, it's miserable, and they keep running that. Uh, the best thing for them almost might be to get down 14 nothing early, although I don't know that they're capable of coming back from that the way Missouri scores. But, yeah, I think they're going to have to score at least 45 to win. If, if, they, if Missouri – if they don't score over 40, I think their chances of winning are slim. They might be able to do it, but I just – I trust Missouri to win a shootout more than them, but I don't – I don't think that they're going to be in a position where they're holding Missouri in the 20s or the 30s. Yeah. All right, last one for you. Um, Bryce Drew and, and his team, uh, 
you know, what what are the prospects this season? And then, hey, they just signed Darius Garland, who I've seen that kid play, and he is the real deal. And, and like, look, I, I love seeing guys like that not go to Duke or Kentucky or Kansas for obvious personal reasons. But, it, you know, I like seeing them go different places. So I, I've got to imagine that, that people are uh, – it is still the honeymoon for Bryce Drew in Nashville. Yeah, they lost to Belmont the other night in Belmont's gym, which is no shame. Belmont's that team that's always at the 14th. Missouri knows seed. about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're pretty good, They and they played horribly the other night. They've got Matthew Fisher-Davis, who's their best scorer, is, is hurt, and Larry, not Larry Austin. Um, they've got another guard hurt, too, and I don't know why I'm going blank on the name because it's one of their main players. But they're a little bit banged up, but the recruiting is going really well. Darius Garland – they don't sign kids like that almost ever. He's the number 15 player in the country. And there have been several times that kid in Nashville just down the road, they have they have whiffed on that kid just about every time. So to get one locally was good. And look, guys, they, they've got a shot to sign two more rated higher than him. And if they don't sign Simi Chateau, I will get a, a tattoo of Gabe somewhere. I, I feel that <laughs> confident about it. He's the number That's eight center or the number idea. eight player in the country. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's, I feel some, as much as I like you, I don't really want to get a tattoo of you anywhere. Good. But I feel pretty <laughs> confident about that one. <laughs> and, and they may get Romeo Langford, too. We'll wait and see how that one plays out. It'll be the spring. But I think, you know how this goes, the, the sudden recruiting momentum changes everything and yeah. changes excitement, and Vanderbilt's getting its dose of that right now. Yes, we do know how that goes. Uh, we've, we've had some recent experience with that. Well, Chris, appreciate the time, in. We're going to roll into town Saturday and uh, – Hattie Bees is on Power Mizzou before the game if you can get away from uh, all your other grown-up responsibilities. You know, I'm, I'm not a big hot chicken guy, but, but I might Chris, be for the company. Chris, come on, so we'll man. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have to learn. Huh? Yeah, maybe <laughs> so. We'll, we'll, we'll fix that. But I uh, look forward to seeing you on Saturday, man. Be safe, guys. Thank you. Thanks, all right, Chris. have a good one, Chris. Chris Lee, VandySports.com. Uh, does a great job covering Vanderbilt. It's a, like – well, okay, I'm not talking out of school here. Me and Chris have this discussion a lot. He's one of my good friends in the network. And, like, man, that's a that's a tough program to to cover and follow and try to drum up interest in. It's mm-hmm. just a it's just a weird deal down there, you right. know? I, Baseball is definitely the yeah. big sport. And yeah. uh, and I, I'm sure they get a pretty good following from him, but it's just different covering it. I mean, because yeah. you're by yourself, essentially. No other programs in the country, really, maybe – well, not even South Carolina. It's still football and basketball ahead of yeah, baseball, I mean, probably. Vandy is probably most similar to like Northwestern in right. that it just it's a different like it's the truly academics, the academics yeah. and and all that. It's like you heard Chris say since about 1960 they stopped committing to football. <laughs> I mean, that's a minute ago. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. That's a long time. So I, I mean, look, this is. We just started, my wife and I just started the second season of uh, Stranger Things, and like, Missouri football, we're living in the freaking upside down right now, man. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the second week in a row that basically we've talked to a guy that covers the other team, and he goes, yeah, I don't really have any idea how this team will beat Missouri this weekend. Right. It <laughs> Crazy to think about after that Purdue game and how the season was looking like it was going to go, and... Uh, you got to give credit to Barry Odom and his staff. They stuck with their plan. They stuck to their guns and took advantage of some situations that presented themselves with other teams. And that's what you got to do. That's Gary Pinkle did that. That's, I mean, that's part of the reason they ended up in back-to-back SEC championship games is taking advantage of other teams, not p- 
playing up to their potential. So I mean, think about these last four games of the year. Like Chris said, Derek Mason's safe. So they'll face Derek Mason again next year. But, I mean, this time next year, they're going to be facing apparently like Chip Kelly, John Gruden, and I'm just going to assume Jimmy Johnson for Arkansas. Jimmy Johnson, yeah. Right? Jerry Jones maybe moving to the coaching sidelines out of the owner's box. There you go. But, yeah, I mean, three of these last four teams are – they're going to have new coaches. Uh, the silly season, as people call it, is going right. to be a heck of a lot of fun, and thank God we're not going to be involved in it. Yeah, I know. It's nice. It's You're really worried about it there for a little while, though, I think. I really was, man. I was, <laughs> I like was losing sleep. Basketball and football coaching search yeah. at the same time. I, I, I was losing sleep. So, anyway, uh, we will do a podcast next week. It's not going to be on Thursday because Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. And, you know, guys, we like you all right. <laughs> But I don't like you that much, man. I'm I'm gonna eat some turkey and uh, and make plans to head down to Fayetteville next Thursday. So we will have a podcast. We'll we'll, we'll preview Arkansas and I don't know as Michael Porter Jr. Jr.'s world turns. I guess right. It is. Uh, it's always interesting around Missouri. They like to they like to give us plenty of stuff to talk about, which I guess guess is much appreciated. Yeah. Um. And if it's not, hey, better than the alternative. If they don't give us stuff, we just make stuff up. (laughs) So uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.